I want to introduce our guest tonight, and um, for those who remember Moses, anybody? Moses Mashita, he blessed us out of our socks, and his wife is here tonight, Tasha. Tasha, if you can just stand up quickly and uh, just wave to them. Uh, they saw you on a picture, and uh, they cheered you on, and uh, um, I, I don't think I can find the words uh, of gratitude uh, for you being here, uh, that is maybe bad grammar, but it's going to be good theology in any case. So, um, but I mean, I got, I received that WhatsApp on, on Thursday evening and I couldn't sleep for two days because never in my mind would I think uh, a senior pastor of a significant large church will come and preach here someday. And uh, within a couple of days it happened and, and the only word that I can find is I'm so, so grateful. Uh, that you decided to, to, to WhatsApp me, uh, to choose our church, and, uh, um, and just this couple of days that we spent together were so, so awesome, and um, I've just, the one thing that I've, that I've experienced from you guys is just generosity and openness, and we honor you for that, and thank you uh, for the privilege that we have as a church to host you tonight. Um, it's an absolute honor. Uh, we love you guys already. We love Moses and the family. Can't wait to spend the time in Seattle someday. And uh, I'm, I'm just honored to have you here, sir. And uh, he, I can't wait to hear you preach live. So if you would, would, want to come up, um, we're just going to pray for you. And uh, if, you, if you're comfortable, will you just extend your hand to Pastor Casey? Lord, thank you for Pastor Casey and, and Pastor Wendy Treat and uh, for their church doing an incredible job at where, where they are in, in Seattle, Washington. And, and Lord, thank you for this honor to have him here today. We know we, we give you the glory for, for his life story. And uh, thank you for the privilege that we have uh, for Pastor Casey that's here with us and sharing his word and uh, his story with us tonight and, and that what, that you laid on his heart. We just want to bless him tonight. And uh, thank you for us that is in this privileged uh, space to, to receive a word directly from you, God, through Pastor Casey. We pray it in Jesus' name, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Z. Thank you, church. Great to be here. Where are we? In the Midlands? Mid, mid, ran. So I'm speaking English, which is my version of English. I'm pretty sure your English is better than mine. But I promise you, your Afrikaans is better than my Afrikaans. So I don't want to try to go there. So I'll do my best to speak uh, in such a way that you can understand it. And uh, maybe... I was praying all afternoon that God, the Holy Spirit, would give you a, a spirit of, a gift of translation, right? Interpretation. So, uh, yeah, even if you don't understand it, maybe the Lord will speak to you. Oftentimes at our church in Seattle, after church, someone will come up, oh, Pastor, that was such a good message. You really touched me. I think you were speaking right to me. And then they'll quote something that I did not say. And I'm like, well, okay, I don't know where, who you were listening to, but I'm glad you got something good. So tonight, may the Holy Spirit uh, speak to you and uh, give you the interpretation that will make a 
blessing and a make a difference in your, in your life. Yeah, I was happy to have uh, Moses here a few weeks ago when he said, wait, when you're in South Africa, you have to call Zelda and see if you can stop by the church. So here we are, happy to be here. We started our church 40 years ago in a building about the same size as your first building, right? Big enough for maybe 80 people or something like that. And uh, it was great. That's where we started. In, in a few months, we moved into a gymnasium, which was a little bigger than this, but it kind of felt like this. And then in our third year, we built our first sanctuary that sat 2,000 and then built another sanctuary that sat more. And we just, you know, just keep growing and going and uh, building and doing church. Any church that's walking with God, that's filled with the Spirit of God, that's moving in God's plan is going to be growing, right? One key element of every great church, it's growing. It's reaching lost people. It's adding to the kingdom. And I love the passage in Acts chapter 2. I'm not preaching yet. I'm just saying hello. Because right? I know you're all looking at me and you're going, okay, am I going to receive this guy or not, right? Maybe I should have stayed home and watched the football game, right? So Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, it says, the Lord added to the church daily. So a New Testament church, an Acts church, a Bible church is people added, people coming in, being saved, coming to the Lord, growing, and uh, making a difference in their world. So that's great. But growth is change. And many of us don't like change. I got no amens for that. I got zero. I got crickets. It's true though, right? Many people don't like change. Sometimes after church at home, people will come up to me. Usually it's, you know, not the young group. And they'll say, Pastor, we, we like the worship today, but how come we don't sing the old song? Do you know why? Because the Bible said, sing to the Lord a new song. It's in the Bible. Sing to the Lord a new song. But I like the old song. The Lord spoke to me one time. Okay, I'm not preaching. I'm just saying hello. The Lord spoke to me one time and he said, many people are not worshiping. They're just remembering a time when they did worship. In other words, the music becomes nostalgic. Oh, I remember this song when I was a teenager. I remember this song when we got married. I remember this song when we were in the other church. And so the song, every song that we've known for years brings back memories, which are fine. That's all good, but that's not worship. That's just remembering when you did worship. And church is one of those places where it's easy to get old quick. It takes effort to stay young. The Bible said the mercies of God are new every morning. And Jesus said, have the faith of a child. What's a child? A child is in full growth mode. 
Children are just growing every day when they're so young. They're just changing. And, you know, I don't see my grandchildren every day, almost every day. But if I've been away, like when I go home from Africa on this trip, I will see they've grown another inch. They've learned new words. They're acting more mature. And the growth is evident in a child. In fact, you don't have to really do anything except feed them. And children grow. And children learn. And they're experiencing new things all the time. And children are excited about the new things. They're in first grade. They're talking about, when I get to second grade, it's going to be cool. Right? They're in elementary school. When I get to high school, it's going to be awesome. Right? They're 12 years old, and in America, you can get your driver's license when you're 16. And every kid I know, when they're 12 years old, when I get my driver's license, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Right? They're so excited about new things. When they're in high school, ooh, I can't wait to get to college. When they're in college, man, I want to start that new business. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to go for my dream. Somewhere after those youth years, we get old. Some people are old at 25. Some people are old at 30. Some people wait till 50 or 60. But somewhere in there, how do you know when you get old? It's when you're no longer excited about tomorrow. It's when you have more past than you do future. When your memories are stronger than your vision. When looking back takes more of your time than looking forward. Then you've transitioned. And you've forgotten what Jesus said. Have the faith of a child. Okay, I'm not preaching. I know a lot of you are mad at me right now, but I was just saying hi right there. I was just, just hello. So I'm 64 years old, and uh, I want more vision, more energy, more passion, more future than I've ever wanted. Because I don't think God is done with my life, with my marriage. Wendy and I got places to go, things to do, people to see, people to win to Christ kingdom of God to grow. So while we could talk about the past 40 years, next year will be our 40th anniversary at Christian Faith in Seattle, which is great, right? We love it. 40 years. I could talk about the good old days, which really weren't so good. They were just old days, right? We could talk about things we experienced when we were a small church, when we were first starting, all of those things. And it is fun. They're interesting stories. And, but if you begin to live in your past, you have sacrificed your future. And so I am reminding myself, do not sacrifice your future on the altars of your past. Well, maybe this is important to me because even as a young person, God had me studying on the subject of renewal. When I came to Christ, I was a mess. I was in a drug rehabilitation center. I was a mess. I was, I was in trouble with the government, with the law, with the courts, and 
I had nothing but problems, depression, anxiety. You know, I was just in a bad situation. As a young person, I had no hope and no future. When I should have been dreaming and thinking big, I was trying to stay high on drugs because the idea of my reality scared me so bad that my answer was just medicate the pain. So as a teenager, I just, you know, just started using drugs every day, stayed as high as I could, and then accidentally I ran into the most high God. You know, sometimes people come to me at church and they say, well, I heard the Lord the other night and Jesus said to me and Jesus, and you know, the Lord wasn't talking to them. They were just smoking too much pot. And sometimes I play with people when they are telling me, yeah, the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, I said, oh yeah, and you know what? One day I was the Lord. In other words, I was so confused and so messed up that I had no hope, no future, and all I could do was medicate my life. So the court put me into a rehab center, and I thought it was just, you know, a typical place that helped kids, and it was called the Washington Drug Rehabilitation Center in the state of Washington, the west coast and the northwest corner of the U.S. I didn't know it was a Christian program. Actually, the only reason I went is because the judge told me, you can go to prison or you can go to rehab. And I said, I've always wanted rehab. I love rehab. Let's go to rehab. Mama said, go to rehab. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a drug addict wrote that song, right? So when I went there the very first day, I met a man named Julius Young. Julius was late 50s. He'd been in prison for 24 years. He'd gotten saved and miraculously delivered from drugs and prison and the whole thing and started this rehab center only two months before I came in. So the program was new, and Julius was a relatively new Christian, but God had done amazing things in his life. So I met Julius Young, and in those first few days, he started talking to me about the Lord, talking to me about visions and dreams and purpose and a future with God. And Julius said these words that I've never forgotten. He said, Big Red, you can change. You can change. I got to the place where I didn't think I would ever get better, that life would ever change. And that I was just stuck in those negative circumstances. A lot of people learn to live with their pain rather than trust God to get healed and whole and move on to God's will and God's plan and God's purposes. A lot of people learn to live with a bad marriage rather than find out how to have a great marriage. They live with a job they don't like rather than find their destiny and their purpose and what God really has for them. Most people in our world today, not just in the church, but in our world, they're surviving, not living, because they don't know how to experience those changes. 
They don't know how to get to a new place. They're, they're following their parents' model. They're following a religious model. They're, they're doing what they've always done, but they don't know how to get to a place of real fulfillment with the Lord. So in those early years, I started studying and, and seeking God for renewal because Julius said to me, Big Red, you can change. He never called me by my name. He always called me Big Red. I don't think he knew my name. He, he, he forgot it. So the first scripture that became real meaningful, real powerful in my life was Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. You, you do, do you know that passage? Now, think of it in this way. Paul is writing to the church, right? The apostle writes to the church in Rome. In chapter 1, you read, to the church in Rome. So this is to all Christians, not just pastors, not just the super spiritual people, but to all believers. And by the way, this is not to the world. To the world, we say God loves you, God came for you, and you must be born again. But to the church, he wrote other things. So this is for all believers. So we're not talking about your salvation. We're talking about your growth, your walk with God, your maturing in the Lord, your becoming all that God wants you to be. So Romans 12 and verse 2, I think they have it. They'll put it up for us. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know that passage, right? You've, you've read it before. No? You've, have you ever heard of this thing called the Bible? Okay. Sometimes you guys are a little quiet. It's okay. I love these Presbyterian churches. Is it Methodist? What is this church? I tell our people, we're a Lutheran church, Methodist church, Catholic church, because everybody's been everywhere in our church. So don't be like the world. You get stuck in your pain. You get stuck in your problems. You get stuck in your addictions. And the world loves to label us. You're an alcoholic. You're an addict. You're a divorcee. They put labels on people, and they cause people to get bound in those circumstances. And they say things like, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once an addict, always an addict, right? And then you start to live with a negative identity. Your divorce defines you. Your bankruptcy defines you. Your cancer defines you. You begin to focus on those negatives in the world, and that's what you see, and that's what you talk about, and you believe that's who you are. So God says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't, don't think like them. Don't act like them. Be transformed. I love that word transformed. It is to change. It's to renew. It's to become something different. A, a, a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly. It's actually the Greek word metamorpho. You, you, you hear in that metamorphosis. It's the process of a plant becoming fruitful and productive. It goes through a metamorphosis. So God calls every one of us to change, to transform, to become something different. And that's not just one time. It's an ongoing process. The language in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 is actually describing a lifestyle, not an event. So I wrote the book, Renewing the Mind, in 1985. 
And I was in, in South Africa the last few days. I've met many people who said, I read your book, Renewing the Mind. And I've always said to them, I'm still trying to renew my mind. In other words, I've learned some things, I've changed some things, but I'm not done. It's a lifestyle of learning and growing in the Lord. So growth, change, becoming what God has for us is all about this process of renewal. And if we get stuck, right, if we start resisting new things, if we don't like young people, I don't like being around those young people. They're so loud, you know. Do we have to go to that church with all those young people? Okay, if you stop, if you start resisting new things and change in your life, you stop the process of growth and you get stuck. And we see many people in that circumstance. So Paul is teaching the church, come on, you guys, be transformed, live in transformation, so you can prove the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Do you know, God's will for my life in 1985 is different than God's will for my life today. I mean, it's the same thing in terms of live for Him, live holy, live in the Spirit. Those things never change. But in terms of the specific things that he has for me, I don't have children living in my home. I'm a grandparent. I have three grandchildren. My responsibility to them is different than my responsibility to my own children. I just get to give them candy and ice cream and buy them toys and send them home. Man, if I'd have known how fun grandchildren were, I would have skipped the children, gone straight to the grandchildren. They're awesome. So you understand my point. God's will for me today, 64 years old, is different than what God was speaking to me when I was 24. At 24, we started our church, and I was doing different things to grow our church. At 64, I'm still in the same church. By the way, the Lord said to me one time, keep the same wife, keep the same church. You'll get where I want you to go. Yeah, some of you need to remember that. So where was I? You know, you need to get over it. So where was I? Oh, yeah, God's will in the basics of Christianity never changes. But in the specifics of your life, it's good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, it continues to evolve. It continues to renew. It continues to grow. So now my kids are in our church, and they're leading. Uh, Tasha's leading our life groups, and she's a minister in our church, and my son is leading, and he's a minister in our church. And today, it's different. What if I decided I'm not going to change? These young people aren't going to run me out of here. I'm going to stay right here till I die. They'd be praying, Lord, kill him. Kill him, Lord. Take him to heaven, Lord. How do we get rid of this guy? Right? Because we all have to keep going in God. We need to keep moving. The Bible said the Holy Spirit moved across the face of the earth. Do you know there's no place in the Bible where it said he stopped? The Holy Spirit moves. He doesn't stop. I think it's interesting that the universe is still expanding at the speed of light. When God spoke, let there be light, it's still obeying. 
It's just being. It's just going. It's just happening. Creation is still in the process. And you and I should be a part of that. Renewal. And so we love the new song. We love the new word. We, we, we love the new thing that God is doing in church. We embrace what God has for us as a 20-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 60-year-old, knowing that we're not done. There's something new that God has for our lives. We are constantly being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that's how I've been trying to live for the last uh, 40 years and 45 years since I was born again. Then I went to Bible school, met my wife, and uh, then we started the church as soon as we graduated from Bible school. So when people ask me, well, how do you get into ministry? I say, well, first go to rehab. That's probably a good place to start. And then, and then find a wife and, and learn the word and then get on with what God has put in your heart. You can be a pastor. Go to rehab and you can be a minister. If we have the faith of a child, we'll be going, we'll be growing, we'll be moving, we'll be renewing our lives in the Lord. And so I say, change is the way of life. And when we stop changing, we stop living. Sometimes we resist change just because we like the old stuff. You ever seen a person who just won't change their dress code? It's like, I bought these pants in 1954. If they were good enough then, they're good enough now. Actually, they've gone in. <laughs> I used to have a lot of ties. We used to wear ties when we preached, right? You had to have a tie if you were going to preach. If you didn't have a tie and a suit, you couldn't be a pastor. And then one day my son said, Dad, you, you, you look a little out of place. You're kind of weird, Dad. Well, he goes, you got the tie on, you got the suit on, it's a hundred degrees in here, and uh, you, why are you dressing like that? I'm like, oh man, that hurts deep. You hurt my feelings. So, some things are hard to change. Church life changes. Church builds new buildings, starts new services, changes your schedule. Oh, man, I've been going to church at 10 o'clock for the last 50 years. Now I have to go at 1030. Oh, man. Right? We get resistant to little things that shouldn't make any difference. Pastor made another announcement. All he's doing is changing things around here. I'm tired of changing around here. Can we just simmer down a little bit? No. Not if we're walking with God. Not if we're renewing our minds. Not if we're moving in God's plan for our life. We're constantly in that process of renewal. In fact, you don't want to go to a church that stops growing and stops changing because that's a church that's dying. It won't be long. That church will have more funerals than it does weddings. That's a bummer. In the Hebrew sense of the word bummer. Is there, a, is there an Afrikaans word for bummer? Hmm? No? Hmm? Oh, shame. <laughs> That's about all the Afrikaans that I know. Tasha lived here for two years, you know, with one of your pastors here in, in South Africa. And that's how she met Moses. And uh, she became a South African, so whatever. 
Two reasons that we resist change. Number one, lack of truth. A lack of truth. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, if you'll abide in my word, you'll, you'll be my disciple. And you'll know the truth, and truth will make you free. So we get free from our addiction. We get free from our depression. We get free from our temper, our anger problems. We get free from poverty. We get free from sickness. We get free in every realm of life as we know truth. I didn't know that I could overcome addiction. I didn't know I could overcome depression. But when the word came into my life, truth came and set me free. So if you're not abiding in God's word, learning his truth, you get stuck in the problems of life. Right now in America, depression and anxiety is a really big deal. We're taking drugs to try to overcome our depression and get through our anxieties. People are drinking more and more and smoking pot and doing whatever they can to medicate the pain of their life because they don't know the truth. The truth says that God will set you free, that Jesus bore that sin. He bore that pain. And if you'll trust him, walk with him, believe him, all things are possible to him that believes. But they don't know that truth. So as they abide in the word, if we can get them connecting with Jesus, coming to church, abiding in the word, they'll know the truth. Truth will make them free. So some people resist change or never get out of their problems because they don't know the truth. The second reason why many people don't experience change in their life is because they've got strongholds. And the apostle talked about, you probably read that scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle talked about the strongholds of the mind. And we have to pull down strongholds and bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. So I see renewal, renewing my mind, as, as a process of learning God's word and making that how I think. Okay, let me give you some examples I think we can all relate to. When I first went to church, people were raising their hand and singing, and then they were praising and worshiping out loud. I've been to church a couple times with my grandma, but I only went because she paid my bail to get out of jail, and, and she told me, if you don't go to church with me, I'm not going to pay for you to get out of jail. And I said, I love you, Grandma. And so I went to church with her. So, But in that church where she took me, it was just quiet. It was all older people, and, and they listened to songs, but they never lifted their hands or did anything like that. So now I'm, I'm, a, I'm 19 years old. I'm in the rehab center, and Julius takes me to this spirit-filled church. They're lifting up their hands. I'm like, oh, man, that is weird. Right? I was so nervous. So I went back to the house. We got, we got out the Bible, and I began to read. Shout to the Lord. Clap your hands, all you people. Lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Sing to the Lord a new song. And I had an opportunity to renew my mind. I could keep saying, oh, that's weird. I mean, who's going to lift up their hands in church? Some kind of crazy people. Or I could say, okay, that's how I think because I see it in the Bible. So I renewed my mind. 
And then they were taking offering at, at the church. They were saying, okay, we bring our tithe, the first tenth. And we bring offerings as we are able. And we are generous. We give. And I'm like, what? These people give 10%? You got to be kidding me. There's no way I could give 10%. And I was always struggling financially. So, again, went home. We got out the Bible. Julius and I started looking at scriptures. The Bible said, bring the tithe and you'll not be cursed. And God will open for you the windows of heaven. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given unto you. And in the New Testament, Hebrews, it says, when you're giving your tithe, you're actually giving to the Lord. So the next week, I started tithing. See, another chance to renew my mind. So then every part, every step, everything that I was learning in church was a challenge to change. Pastor would teach on prayer. Am I going to renew my mind and begin to pray? Or am I going to stay in my own attitude? Your attitude controls your altitude. Some people live a low life because they have a funky attitude. How does funky translate in Afrikaans? No word for funky. So I'm teaching you new words tonight. I told you my English is very deep. Right, but they have a bad attitude. Well, I ain't going to do that. Ain't, ain't no preacher going to get my money. Preacher don't want your money. Preacher don't need your money. But God's trying to get you to a place where he can bless you, enlarge your life. When you give, it's given unto you. When you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you can't renew your mind to that, you'll never know God's economic system. And most Christians don't. In America, way less than half of the church tithes. Why? Because they won't change. Well, I can't do it. I, I don't understand how that's going. I can't figure out how God could bless my life. I just can't see how it's going to work. And so their own thinking stops them. I knew my mind about being a husband. Well, we could pick any subject. I had to renew my mind about being a husband. Because when I grew up, my dad wasn't a Christian, and my mom and him got divorced. But I still was following that model and acting like he acted. And then I began to read the scripture where it said, Husbands, love your wives like Jesus loves people. So am I going to renew my mind, or am I going to stay like my father, my natural father? Am I going to follow my heavenly father or my natural father? Well, I don't want to end up like he did. I don't want the same results that he got. So you have to do something different if you want something different. If you like everything about your life right now, don't change anything. Just stay where you are. But if you think maybe God has something new, maybe there's something more for my marriage, something more for me economically, something more for me spiritually, something more for my life, then you're going to have to make a change because change is how you get there. Renewal is how you get there. If you want something you've never had, you're going to have to think and do something you've never done. Thank you for your exciting response. Is it true? If you want something you've never had, better income, better marriage, health, joy, whatever it is, you're going to have to think and do something you've never done. I have a friend 
He's actually speaking over Raymond this week, and he always says this statement. When was the last time you did anything for the first time? Well, when you were young, you were doing things for the first time all the time. I'm learning new things. I'm reading new books. I'm experiencing new life. I'm finding out what it's all about. But when we get old, we get stuck. And we start saying, well, I don't like that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to go there. You know me. I don't even think. I'm not going to eat that. I've never ate anything like that. I've never done that before. Why would I start now? How about because you want something different, something new, something Maybe God has something better. So we've got to challenge ourselves. Otherwise, strongholds grip our life and hold us down. Look at 3 John. 3 John is that little book that John wrote to his friend Gaius. And in 3 John verse 2, he says, I'm praying for you, Gaius, and for all of his family. And he says, I pray that you may, you may prosper in all things. Now, stop right there for a moment. That would say to me, it's God's will that I prosper in all things. My marriage, my finances, my business, my career, all things. John wouldn't have prayed it if it wasn't God's will, and the Holy Spirit certainly wouldn't have recorded it in the canon of Scripture if it wasn't God's will. So, obviously you can find other Scriptures that say that. It's God's will that you prosper in all things. Now, how am I going to get there? Look at what John prayed. You prosper in all things just as your soul prospers. So, one scripture says, you will prosper even as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. Most theologians will agree on that. Sometimes there may be discussion on other definitions, but it basically comes, comes back to that human internal part of you. Your spirit is born of God. Your mind and your emotions are renewed as you grow in God. The band's coming, which says to me, wrap it up. <laughs> so you prosper as your soul prospers. How does your soul prosper? Well, let's keep reading. I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Remember, we get the truth as we abide in his word. And truth makes us free. So he said, truth is in you, and you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So your soul prospers as you hear the truth and act on the truth. So I heard, lift up your hands. I started acting on it. My soul was prospering a little bit more. Then I heard, give your tithe. I started acting on that truth, and my soul started prospering a little bit more. I heard, love your wife as Jesus loves the church. I started acting on that truth. My soul began to prosper a little bit more. Well, now, 40 years later, I'm still trying to learn truth, act on the truth, prosper in my soul. Because that's how I'm going to see God's blessing, God's prosperity in my life. And when I stop then everything stops. But if I'll keep learning, keep going, keep growing, that prosperity will keep growing. 
Sometimes when we get older in life, we start talking about, well, you know, I'm just happy to retire. I'm just looking for some time off. I'm just waiting for the day I can relax a little bit. Well, don't talk that way. Rather say, I'm going to do some new things in my 60s. I'm going to do some different things in my 70s. I'm not slowing down. I'm not stopping because I'm going to keep learning and growing, and I'm going to keep prospering even as my soul prospers. Young people, you want to prosper in life? Keep getting that truth. Keep acting on that truth. And as you hear it and live it, your soul will prosper and your income will go up and your relationships will go up and everything, you will prosper in all things. Amen? That's what growing in the Lord is. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. That's, that's what Christian life is all about. There's so many scriptures that talk about this process of renewal, of becoming like Christ, of prospering on the inside so we can see it on the outside. So tonight I'm praying, I'm believing that you'll be inspired a little bit. You'll be moved a little bit to say, I'm, I'm going to make a change in my life. You may be 20, you may be 60. I'm going to make a change in my life. I'm going to be a little more committed to God's Word. And I'm going to renew my mind uh, with a little more diligence. Because I want to see what God has for my life. I want to see how far God could take me, how much God could do. Since I started with the Lord in a drug rehab center, where the judge told me, if you leave, I'm putting you in prison. I've gone from there to building, uh, being a part of the largest church in our part of the country, of speaking all over in America, around the world, being a part of some of the greatest moves of God in churches all over the world, and, and three beautiful children and now grandchildren. And I, I'm not done. I'm not finished. There's more. In fact, I've committed to God. I'm going to finish strong. I'm not going to finish down. I'm not going to finish tired. I'm I'm not going to finish like a grumpy old man where my kids are all praying, Lord, kill him now, please. Please take him to heaven. No, I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to keep on renewing and keep on growing in the Lord. I believe your future as a church is houses and lands. Remember in Deuteronomy, the word says, I have houses and lands for you. God has houses and lands for this church and for every one of you. If you could walk with God and renew your life, you will experience that promise. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. So let's believe for that. Let's go for that. Let's thank God for it. And every time the pastor says, we got a new building, or we're going to build a new building, or we're going to open another campus, or we're going to start another service, your first thought is, yeah, that's what we do. We're going. We're growing. We're renewing. We're becoming all that God has for us. We're not in life to be comfortable. The most comfortable people are in a cemetery. Very comfortable. Have you ever looked in a coffin? It's so soft. It's like fitted, and no, you can't hear the noise, and you just relax. 
of a child. It's not comfortable. I have a little two-year-old. What time do you want me to quick, Z? Am I done? We're going to okay. do tonight? What's our next set schedule? Okay, real quick. My little two-year-old Nora, two-year-old granddaughter, she is full speed. She's like a Nora NATO. She's just full speed. She's constantly running, talk. She can't walk. She only runs. And she's into everything. If you turn away, she's got grandma's makeup all over her face. Right? One day she walked out. She had red paint. She got her sister's paint. Her sister wants to paint inside the lines. She paints her whole body. And she got, she came walking out red from head to toe. And she said, I painted. (laughs) And Nora is constantly falling down, running, boom, gets up, runs, boom, climbs up, falls off, constantly into things and never comfortable. And I was watching her the other day, just living her life, having so much fun. And I thought, She never thinks, how can I be comfortable? She's always thinking, how can I get into something I've never seen before? (laughs) Jesus said, have the faith of a child. Reach for new things. Believe that God has new things planned for you. Yeah, it's fun to celebrate the old. It's fun to look back and think, man, God did so many great things. But we don't live there. We're living in our faith. We're living in our hope. We're living in our future. We're living in where God is taking us. We have more future than we do past. We have bigger dreams than we do memories. God has more for us. Maybe you've never really committed your life to Him. You know, you can come to church and never connect with God. Sitting in a church does not make you a Christian. Any more than sitting in a garage would make you a car. You can sit in the garage all day long. You're still not a car. You can sit in church all your life and never connect with God. Jesus said you must be born again. Born of His Spirit. Something changes on the inside. And you begin to live with a different spirit and a different mission. And he said, you can be filled with my spirit, empowered for this new life. Maybe you've struggled with vision and hope and dreams because you've never really connected with God. And you've never really let his spirit guide your life. Let's close our eyes together. And we just want to pray for a moment. I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but if you want something more in your walk with God, you want something more in your relationship with the Lord, would you just lift up your hand? If you say, I want to know I'm born again. I want to know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to know what God has for my life. Would you just lift up a hand right now? And we're just going to pray together before Pastor comes. Is there anybody else who would say, yeah, Pastor, you're talking to me. I need something new in my walk with God. Anybody else? 
Good. Thank you. I see many hands. All right. You can put them down. Now, pastor may want to pray. He may want to give you something else before we leave church tonight. But let me just pray with you. And congregation, will you join in on this? Let's be a big prayer team, especially for those that lifted up their hands. Would you say this with me? Thank you, Father. Tonight, I believe Jesus is Lord. He came for me. He died for me. He rose from the dead. To save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I receive you. I call you Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Empower my life with the Holy Spirit. From this night on, I'm walking with you. I'm renewing my life. I'm living with purpose. I'm a Christian. Born again, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Thanks, you guys.